inevitable. You mean you have to use your hands? That's like a baby's toy. I'm totally Batman. Oh, man. Oh. Uh, uh. <laughs> Shh. Communing with the Earth Spirits. Welcome to California, bud. Kawabunga. The world of magic. And after that, I just sort of space out for about an hour. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secondary Heroes podcast. This week, we're going to start out with a trivia question. So... What do Jaws, Star Wars, Superman, Indiana Jones, E.T., Jurassic Park, and Harry Potter all have in common? Well, let's find out. This is your host, Trevor, and joining me as usual is... Hey, guys, it's Prague. Do-do-do! It is DeLorean Wolfgang. And I should probably come up with an intro because I'm back so often. This is Michelle. <laughs> ah, it's good to have a fourth member. <laughs> Even if there are only three screens. I know that really bothers Trevor when it comes to symmetry. Yes. Wow. You know, you could just go down to the living room with your laptop and you could do it, too. Yes, but as all of the technical difficulties we've gone through this evening have proved, I don't think our internet could handle uh, streaming two videos at the same time. It's only been an hour of it. You're fine. You're fine. It was only an hour. Yeah, we we made sure to get in here early to do this. So that's that's true. We did try to start early just so we could have enough time to mess up. That's right. I oh, wanted to get in uh, early so I could finish watching Reacher. Yeah. Well. And, you know, the Anywho. real thing is, though, the big problem was audio issues. And it, it, it's tough to sync up <laughs> audio, you know? It really is a difficult thing. And that's why the answer to our trivia question is, hopefully you've been keeping track at home. Do you have an answer? They're all have scores conducted by John Williams. Every single uh, one of those films that are some of the most iconic scores of all time. And the reason why John Williams, well, it was just his birthday on February 8th. And there's another reason. It's because the Academy has decided in their vast wisdom that they don't need to air anything related to musical scores in their televised version of the Oscars. Strange, huh? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would say they don't even need to televise the Oscars. Cause... Oh, that's true. <laughs> Who cares? That's where they're heading. Yeah, they're going full steam ahead. But the song part is the best <laughs> no, part. No, they're going to have the song part. They're oh. not doing the score. Yeah, the original soundtrack, sound, sound editing, sound mixing. Anything yeah, just doing pretty much related to sound. Song. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. So Dosa is going to be performed. Okay, well, he says that. Because <laughs> as we're going to talk about today, we believe that sound and music is very important to the film experience. I think it ties a lot to our emotional detachments to these films. So I think that's what we're going to be discussing today. That's a good call. So wow. We'll show yeah, them. You... <laughs> we'll show you Oscars. Because, <laughs> yes, I knew, I knew the answer to the trivia question. I was just being silly before. Of course. Oh. Famous John Williams. It's crazy, though. I mean... Are that some of the like if you listed off the most iconic scores of all time, they're pretty much conducted by John Williams. That's true. Yeah, I don't think he has a bad one in the lot. So, well, and what's going through his mind? How does he come up with this stuff? Because they're all very unique as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's actually pretty impressive. What I what I have researched on this. 
um, is that only a few composers in Hollywood really truly write their own music. There are a lot of composers that are probably working a lot, so much so that they have ghostwriters helping them write the music for various shows. And he is one of maybe a few, just a small handful, like four or five, that actually write every single piece of music for everything they do, which is really impressive, especially since every one of them is like, iconic not just you know being um popular but you can instantly know what movie each score is from and know that it's made by john williams that's impressive because there's just some composers out there we're like y'all here i'm like oh that's definitely you know so and so but i I don't know which one of the films is from though you don't do that with john williams in my opinion i think you can tell from every piece that he writes yeah what that's from it's tied to, you know, certain scenes and moments in film history. You know, I think that that kind of bonds with us. Yeah, that, that's Absolutely. the big takeaway of just how you can capture like the Harry Potter soundtrack. I give those movies a plenty of grief, but the actual soundtrack, it sounds magical. It sounds yeah. like you're entering a magical world just from the various notes and tunes that he uses. And the same idea with Star Wars. It sounds like an epic adventure you're going on yeah actually this week so this weekend i was just at universal studios hollywood and no joke walking straight into harry potter land they've got his music just blaring throughout the whole park which is really cool to because it kind of puts you in that setting yeah we're in, it's in southern california and it's snow on top of the buildings but you hear the music and you you almost get put into that scene and you feel like you feel like you're really there. And it's the music that really helps capture that emotion. Yeah. I think a lot of what I I just think it's really upsetting that they're not going to air the, the awards this year for, for that category. Cause I, I feel like when you watch a movie, there are scenes that yeah, look nice, but I, I really do feel like the music in a film stays with somebody in a, in a more emotional level, more so than the visuals do. Um, I think the visuals are there to kind of help, you know, kind of uh, help you remember maybe a scene, but I don't think it's going to really help you feel what the scene feels like. You know, a composer comes in there and they're really translating the, the emotions that go in, you know, go through a protagonist's head, for example. Um, I, I know that uh, one of my favorite directors, um, Mike Flanagan, he actually, wrote about the the whole idea of a jump scare in a film. Um, he says that um, he doesn't use jump scares too often, but when he does, they're all, they're considered some of the best in the business. And it's because he, I think he understands how the jump scare works. It's less the visual and it's more the audio. So sometimes what he'll do is he'll show the jump scare physically, like actually show it. And then the beat will happen. And that's what scares you. It's the sound. It's the, that stays with you. Um, and then you remember the jump scare. Um, so audio is yeah, very important. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I would argue with horror movies, it's all about the soundtrack. That's what makes Absolutely. it scary. Like right? they're like, exactly. oh, if you mute, if you mute a horror movie, it becomes a lot less scary because there's not that like right. building. It's the building music for me. Like the the thing the you like something's yeah. gonna happen. It builds the tension inside of you. If you don't have that, there's there's no tension so you can't do that kind of storytelling in a movie right. without music it does what narrative does in a book it builds oh, yeah. the tension. good point it, uh, it does what well, narrative does and internal monologue as well i think which mm-hmm. you don't get as much in film and television and i mean if you go onto youtube you can find some of these videos where people have re-edited 
uh, scenes from horror movies or really any movies and they throw a different soundtrack in it and it completely changes the mood just by changing the song. Like they right. didn't even have to re-edit the video. You're you're just changing the song, and all of a sudden, now you're taking this horror clip, and no, it's a goofy, silly thing. You just add the Benny Hill soundtrack like, to Michael Myers chasing somebody. <laughs> <laughs> right? So all of a yeah, sudden, Halloween like, is okay, really this is a, funny. Yeah, Halloween is just a romantic <laughs> comedy. He's just one. He's like a loner that was really, you know. Just wanted to date, or even if, or even if you're playing the trailer to a romantic comedy and you put a horror movie soundtrack in it, all of a sudden Same now thing. it feels very awkward. There's and something sinister going on. Sinister, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's all about what we're hearing. It's wild. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now I know that you mentioned um, John Williams. I would. I. I just wanted to mention. Uh, and this one's kind of for you, Prague. Alan Silvestri. He, uh-huh. for me, Alan Silvestri holds a pretty heavy candle right next to John Williams. And the only reason why I call you out, Prague, is because he didn't just do Back to the Future. He did Back in Me as well. And then, yeah. <laughs> and as as our listeners know. Mac and me means a lot to this podcast, and same oh, with yes. Back to the Future. <laughs> and who framed Roger Rabbit? I mean, the guy did so much with Steven Spielberg. So that was that one. That was for you, Trevor. <laughs> well, shout out to Steven Spielberg. I mean, seriously, the dude. When you list off all, he's like, "I'm working with John Williams," and now you find out he's working <laughs> with Alan Silvestri. It's like. I need good music to go with my movie to create the mood that I'm going for. I can't just be like. Right. This shot is beautiful. Or, oh, this line of dialogue is outstanding. It, it's more than that. Mm-hmm. Yes, he understands Absolutely. that. He understands the whole picture, for sure. And Which I think you and me talked about that the other day, about um, visuals of a movie versus quotes versus music and how they kind of call to you in different ways and how like visuals are going to be the most obvious. Like If you see Darth Vader, you're going to be like, oh, Star Wars. Like You're going to know. Sure. Um, but if you hear like a quote, like the ever misquoted Luca and your father, um, you're like, oh, it might take you a little longer. Or if you're not as familiar with Star Wars, obviously all of us are like Star Wars. But uh, if you hear the Imperial March, it just is such a visceral reaction. Like sure. it really draws you back to like when you watch those movies. Like to me, I hear it and I like, I want to like strut around and like boots. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and boots. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> But yeah, it just makes me, so it makes me feel so empowered in like a sinister way. <laughs> nice. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys, I mean, I know that we just talked about Alan Silvestri and John Williams. Is there any other composers that really stand out to you guys that really, you know, you look forward to if you saw their name in the movies? See, I'm 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 bad at this because I could tell you like pieces of music from movies that I've loved. I could not tell you who wrote them. I'm horrible at that. I'm like I could try to look it up right now, really discreetly. <laughs> yeah, trust me, I got another screen right here, and I'm going okay, okie dokie. That's a favorite movie. Well, I think yep, yep, the, yep, yep. <laughs> something to to some to think about is that not all composers are going to be like a John Williams type that has exactly. like a main theme or a theme for every single person necessarily. Um, a lot of composers will will kind of be like almost something you hear in the background they're not really necessarily paying attention to, but helps drive that 
the what you're supposed to feel in that moment. Um, yeah. I, I think John Williams is well known because he just he writes music that is so specific, um, and you get a lot of other composers that are, are really just trying to like heighten a scene for dramatic effect. Um, and those are the ones that maybe not be as famous as the others. Um, I, for example, someone who was been around for a very long time that didn't really get any notor- notoriety until much later was Howard Shore. Um, he wrote the music for the Lord of the Rings. And I think that's that the what I was looking at <laughs> in all of like film history. Like I hear that music and I'm like, I am in the Shire again. I'll hear that mm-hmm. subtle music and it's very subtle, <laughs> but I hear it. And I'm like, I feel like I'm sitting under a tree, um, you know, overlooking the Shire and it's so peaceful and tranquil. And I absolutely love it. I mean, it's so dreamy. Um, and to me, it's iconic, but I think maybe just to most people, it's maybe not. You know, like maybe they're like, oh, I think I might have heard that music before, but I don't know where I was from. It's like, but for me, yeah, it meant, it meant a lot to me. And it's, it's a lot more subtle, I think. But I think it really helped that, you know, film trilogy. I yeah, tell I mean, you what, his filmography is phenomenal as well. It is. I'm just saying, I don't I, think I, it, I it wasn't really, it wasn't really a household name. It wasn't like a John Williams until he did those movies. And then everyone was like buying the soundtracks and knew his name. And he won the Oscar and everything. And thankfully his Oscar was televised. So that was nice. It's funny oh. too, though, just with subtle soundtracks, because we were watching the making of music of Encanto and mm-hmm. all the songs are, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda did an amazing job of writing and the composer was like, I need to get those notes when they're not singing because it's a musical. And so there's going to be a lot of actual vocal singing to it, but there's going to be parts where I have to go through the story and use kind of the similar notes and ideas and motifs, but just be able to go through the story without actual lyrical singing to it. That's a challenge all its own right, because you're using other people's music and you're trying to make it your own. And you also have to build that bridge that connects one song to the other seamlessly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. you can't have like dead air or whatever. I have like a weird tempo change that kind of screws up everything, you know? It's funny because we were talking know. about Disney specifically because we're talking about Encanto. And you can't, like, when you think of Disney movies, they have very iconic songs, but not really iconic scores, except for Lion King. Yeah, Lion King is kind of the whole, mm. the whole way through. Like, if you think so, of a scene, like, you hear even like a snippet of it, you're like, you know, that's Lion King. It doesn't have to even mm-hmm. have to be a song. So, yeah, that's a valid point. Compared to all the other uh, Disney films. I mean, the part where he's running back, he sees Mufasa in the clouds and he comes running right. back and they have that grand crescendo. I mean, yeah. Ooh, oh, see, see, for yes. me, it's when he walks up Pride Rock at the end and it's like that. Na, 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 na. Right? I just got chills all over my body. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Music, yeah. man. Right? It just draws you back and you see it and you feel it. Oh, it's great. Exactly. That's the difference exactly. with music. Just to your point in Star Wars, because I think every movie, it has those three components of here's the visual thing. That's the base level connection. Anybody can. OK, that, that's what makes it a movie versus a book. It's actually. And then there's all the different lines of dialogue. People can repeat dialogue and there's iconic stuff. You laugh about it or you, you know, talk about certain lines. But music, it's not necessarily a discussion point. It's just something that you can feel like you're not going right. to feel a line of dialogue. You can connect with it, but it's not going to give you goosebumps. It's not going to have you evoke various different emotions. And same with the scene. It, that looks awesome. That was beautifully shot. Look at the angles of all the different things on set, all that different stuff. But it's the music where you don't have to watch the film. 
You don't have to look at an image. You can hear a couple notes and you can remember every part of the experience of when you watched it. Not only just what's happening in the narrative, you can be like, oh, I went to the theaters to see that I was with so-and-so. And it's just all comes just from the song that the scene and a line of dialogue is not going to connect with. Oh, yeah, for sure. I agree. Absolutely. And actually, uh, not really a funny story. I was almost going to say funny story. But um, when I was like 14 years old, my parents took me and my sister to England and France. And I brought, I was in my skateboarder stage where I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to CDs the whole time. So I brought two CDs with me. I had Alien Ant Farm and Sum 41. Yeah. And when I hear when I hear any songs off of either one of those CDs, it takes me back to being oh, 14 yeah. again, sitting on the train going in between uh, England and France. And I'm like, it's so weird how a song can bring up a memory instantly, just like and a taste or vivid, smell right? or anything like that. Right. Yeah. And it can be super vivid and so crazy. And it, and that's what makes so many movies so memorable with right. these scores. And another thing that I really liked about um, uh, like about this conversation of music is it doesn't have to be like a composer or anything. Like, for instance, I think James Gunn is really, really good at finding proper songs to like popular songs right. to convey his movies like mm -hmm. guardians of the galaxy you're bringing back these old 70s songs that people really hadn't been thinking about since the 70s or 80s and he popularized them again which really made that movie almost extra fun you know because sure. you're almost reliving that experience back there so now now you're connecting to the people who grew up in the 70s and 80s and you're connecting to the people of today by making it into a Marvel uh, movie. It, I, music is just so broad that you can bring in so many different generations. Yeah, and I think well, that that's a... Uh, no, sorry, Michelle, go ahead. No, you can go ahead, Prague. It's okay. Right. I was oh, just going to say that that's a very... <laughs> it's a very American director type of thing to do. I mean, aside from Edgar Wright, who is also well-known for doing that in his films, um, it's become a very American thing to do to take a pop song of any kind from any era and kind of putting it into a big scene of some kind, whether it's a big emotional scene, action scene. Um, it could be, even be used like in for uses of irony, even. You know, you'll have like the happy song during a murder scene or something. Right, um, right. But that we do that as Americans. We, we create this almost like... Um, I don't know what the best word is, but um, like trauma in a way, like musical trauma, whether it's good or bad. It's like, here is this sonic blast um, of a pop song, you know, and we're going to make it, you know, connect with this one scene so you remember it. Um, and I don't see that very often in foreign cinema as I do with American cinema. Um, as I said, aside from Edgar Wright, um, who is British, you don't see that too often. It's I see that quite often though with American directors. It's less right. the soundtrack of like you know orchestra um, taking the beats and everything and putting in actual just songs, almost like a Disney movie. Like you just put in those songs at the big beats throughout the movie. Um, it does work effectively though in some many situations, like a James Gunn film. So, so sorry, I just so that's really that interesting up. because like thinking on it, I'm like. Your big blockbusters, they don't, maybe they have some score, but it's kind of pushed aside because you're mm -hmm. focusing more on like the actual songs that are playing. And um, this might be a bit of a harsh word, but it's almost expletive. Like it, it exploits the audience and the feelings yes. that they already relate yes. with that music. Yes. 
So it makes Absolutely. them be like, I know this song. I can get more into this moment. I relate. It's it's obviously they're watching potentially a movie for the first time. And so they're like, they don't think of it that way, but it is kind of manipulative in a way. Wow. <laughs> I never looked at it like well, that. I mean, trailers do that more mm. than anything. Yeah, I was like, going to say some, that. The trailers. Like, just White Rabbit or uh, ver- various versions of Led Zeppelin songs. They love using those in trailers. Over and over again. Right. Slowing it down the See, tempo. Yeah. Okay. It's, it reminds like, me of the, <laughs> the Thor Ragnarok trailer that, when yeah. it first came out. And they used lo- like, uh, what is it called? I don't know what that Led Zeppelin song is uh, called. It's like very, it's it has, like dog. a Norse name. Uh, okay. Is it Love and Thunder? No. <laughs> no. It Anyways, it doesn't matter, but they, they use that song and it, <laughs> it has a name that relates to Thor and somebody out there is cursing me. <laughs> uh, and it, it just like, you, the, the, you think of the, like, oh, the whole like, ah, like all that. And ah, uh, yes. Uh, okay. Right. It just, it well, and whenever I brought this, fun. when I brought this conversation up to my wife, she, the first thing that she came up with was um, the song for from Kingsman when he's going through the church and just murdering. I believe it was, um, oh God, it's Freebird. I think it's Freebird, yeah. the guitar solo in Freebird. And I mean, fantastic guitar riff, but then you add in just a massive amounts of murdering inside of a church. And all yeah. of a sudden, and, and and the way it's filmed as well, very fast paced, very cool, and very fun. You know, you're taking you're taking this really like horrific scene of people's brain, brains being blown out, but you really like the song, so it makes yeah. it a little bit easier to to swallow in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have any kind of Vietnam era movie depicted with some kind of. Credence Clearwater oh, yeah. Revival song. You, you, that, that's <laughs> yeah. just a Vietnam movie. Are you even a Vietnam War movie if you don't have Credence Clearwater playing in the it's background? It's not. I, I mean, know. even that King Kong movie used CCR in it, and it's just because it was set during that time period, because that's how you define that time period. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, it doesn't even have to be Vietnam. Just throw some dudes in a helicopter, a jungle, and all yeah. of a sudden, so, boom. Yep. Oh, war. Yeah. Huh. Good God, like, y'all. The yeah, there it is. And that's we'll funny, too, because that means it's building on itself, like musical stereotypes within movies. So if you associate oh, yeah. uh, Clarence Clearwater Revival with war movies in Vietnam, when you hear it in another movie, it's immediately going to evoke those feelings. So that's really interesting, right. too, that people kind of build and build and build on that. Like uh, the whole like using upbeat songs, really fast paced songs during massacre scenes to make them more palatable. Uh, right. We heard the other day uh, it's that Frank Sinatra song. Fly me to the moon. Fly me to the moon. And I was like, oh, I remember how this was in Squid Game? He was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, they play it in Squid Game in the first episode when everyone is getting slaughtered at the very, oh, wow. like, during the yeah. first game. Mm. And it's just to make it like it's still the. Uh, it's a major contrast. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's there's a heavy contrast between the two because yeah you're mm-hmm. listening to this very upbeat thing but you're also you're viewing something very violent yeah. so yeah it's it's such a fascinating thing that movies are able to get away with with this there's type of stuff also the change of pace like in um, the James Bond movie with Javier Bardem like all the James Bond movies they don't 
you know, rely too much on like contemporary music. It's always kind of score based or songs specifically written for James Bond. And then when Javier Bardem's come into his like castle or whatever, he has the big helicopter and he has these big rocket launchers and it goes bang, 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 bang. I mean, that's funny because it's the actual song, but you're doing something. And that's the way you go and introduce yourself. If you're going to blow somebody up. Yeah. <laughs> like I can put my, like if I'm ever going to blow somebody up, I need gigantic speakers that are blasting that song. Heck yeah, man. <laughs> so I do got to ask, um, and Trevor, you're you're a massive uh, Jurassic Park fan. What are your thoughts on the reuse of like the main song from Jurassic Park and how it's how they how they change it with every different I almost said episode, but with every <laughs> um, uh, Jurassic Park, Jurassic World installment. Thank you. Sorry, I'm very I mean, tired today. <laughs> Just that, that Jurassic World Dominion trailer, they slow it down and they play like just six notes of the score all on piano. They extrapolate all the other different and it gives me goosebumps just because I love that song. And that song yeah, is just from the movie and all the scenes that I love. Like, I know this new movie is going to suck, but I still enjoyed the trailer because they're using the song and they build up the climax within the trailer by using the notes of the song. Because they're going full on with the nostalgia of like, oh, look, here's the original cast. So here's the original song. You guys, you know this, right? <laughs> and and that builds back on the whole idea. So uh, John Williams writing these scores and I thought of the Force Awakens trailer when it came out and they played luke's theme or the fourth song whatever they call it these days <laughs> and that song like literally if i if i sit and listen to it i could i could cry listening to that song because it just like is su it's such a powerful song right. and it so it's just it's so fun to think about how th these composers write these songs and then like years and decades ago at this point and they can just pull even little bits like the six notes like playing just the six notes of the Jurassic Park theme. Yeah. And everyone's like, I know that song. Like, that's, inc <laughs> that's insane. The thing, yeah, insane. like just writing the Star Wars theme in 1977 or having it released in 77 and then using it for The Force Awakens in 2017. Oh. And it's the same song. It's the same beat. And it's just as strong of that connection. Yeah. Sorry. Oh. Yeah. You just start associating those songs like like the the fourth song is ha so hopeful because like the first time you hear it is Luke standing on Tatooine staring at the double suns and as they said and you just like it's so like uplifting and hopeful and like for them to use that when the Star Wars series came back and the sequels and it's just like uh I don't have words for it <laughs> I'm just like goosebumps yeah, it's almost like arm. they told you hey come back to your childhood go watch this mm -hmm. again it's going to be great you know bring your bring your kids along with it this time you know N nostalgia is a powerful thing <laughs> it's a hell of a drug now, yeah there's there's a it, i find it to be a very fantastic movie i watch it every year it's called the holiday and it's got cameron diaz and jack black and jude law i know it, of it. It, it, yeah fantastic so jack black plays a composer for movies and the old man, he needed a song or he didn't need a song, but Jack Black was like, you know what? I'm going to create a song for this guy. So whenever he walks up on stage to accept his award for being lifetime award or whatever, 
and it's very interesting. It, the I really like the the scenes where he's coming up with the idea for the song, and then he plays the song, and it's like you can see that character, that person, through the music mm-hmm. that he put yeah. down on the piano. And it's fascinating that like these composers that we're talking about really capture the hopefulness, like you said, Michelle, or the the like the stomp, like the march. The, the uh, you know what I mean like the like it's weird how they can convey all this stuff with just a few notes and all yeah, of a sudden I mean, and like you said decades later we still get goosebumps when we hear these little things right and remember they're not just making music to make a song like they're they're literally they're thinking about what you would see visually you know mm-hmm. and putting that into songs like the, the the imperial march he wrote that like if you were to watch somebody march what would it sound like done 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 like they're marching right like you're trying to evoke that same thing visually but with sound um so you kind of have to figure out like okay what is something gonna look like if you know they're marching across the field or if they're looking up longingly at two suns like what what does that sound like is what they're doing and i think yeah someone like john williams just nails it every time he really knows what he's doing <laughs> what I mean, that's music, the thing that's is like sure. think about if you think about star wars like Star Wars, if it, I always if do, Star Wars, yeah. if you if you take the music, take John Williams' score out of Star Wars mm-hmm. and put mm-hmm. a different composer in there, imagine what a different movie that would have been. You've got this Much different big robot that's all gold with a little trash can that follows them, and then you've got this whiny kid who just wants to be a pilot, and it's like, but I was gonna go to Tashi Station. <laughs> But that's the thing. It's like you've got that score that that now you feel that hopefulness with Luke. You know, you feel all these things, and it, yeah. I love the feel of emotion that you get with music. It's it's so fascinating. It's interesting you say what would the movie be like elsewise because that's kind of like the Marvel movies. It took them a long time to actually have a memorable score. Mm. You can't think of anything from the first Iron Man's, Captain America's, Thor's. Honest, there's nothing until they come up with the score for Infinity War and Endgame. You can that is a good score. They finally figured it out, but they made a lot of movies that don't really have any kind of evocative soundtracks to them. No, you're right. I can't think of one that stood out. Does well, the Captain America first Avenger in the first? Avengers it doesn't show movie? up until Infinity War. Really? It's not even the, Ultron. Uh, Really? That doesn't show up until Endgame? Are you sure? No, Infinity War. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) No, because there was a whole video on YouTube where the guy was talking. He was like, there's five ways that Marvel makes music. And it's like, they just sample from other composers. They just do like, they find open source ones. or It's like, they just cut costs on music. And that (laughs) video didn't come out until like 2017 or 2018. And then all of a sudden they have this awesome score for Infinity War. So I don't know if they that video trended like 10 million people watched that really quick. Marvel's like, uh. <laughs> we need uh, a good, yeah. go find the best composer we can. Well, John so, <laughs> that's the funny thing. So I actually, I still have Alan Silvestri pulled up right here. And he actually did the Captain American first, first Avenger. He did the Avengers. And he actually got nominated for and I mean, well, it's got a list of awards here that he got nominated for for all of these Marvel films, but it's yeah, it's it's pretty 
they won awards I mean, <laughs> for those Captain America, but, but I can't. Right, but That's I can't. True. I can't think of one song from Captain America or from the Avengers or from besides the one that like the big yeah. one. No, the the funny thing about that video is they asked people, "Can you tell me any notes from anything you've seen Marvel?" And they just stared at the guy for a while, and then they're like, Come "Oh, and get your love. no!" There's the Spider Man song. That's the one they knew. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. That's the only Marvel <laughs> yep. song they could think of, of everything that's ever been made on Marvel <sighs> on cinema. It's a good song. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a good song, you know? Yeah, it's catchy. Of course. <laughs> no. Yeah, you're right. It's all going to be just like the, the Guardian soundtrack. Those are just songs that we already knew from beforehand. Yeah. So. And that was such a change of pace for all the other Marvel that's stuff. That's so anyway. true. <sighs> yeah. Well, they used Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to talk about awards and just the Oscars and like, yeah, they yeah, yeah. Awards Please, go ahead. That, like they don't even know what they're doing at this point. But with the Oscars, they do show those montages like everyone knows there's the in memoriam montage where people always complain that they didn't include so and so because some people have millions of hours on their time and they're just watching it and they have a, a whole list of names that they're crossing off that they actually mentioned. But that's not this podcast about <laughs> annoying people. <laughs> but there's also the montage. They always have montages before the sound presentation and it will just be various clips from various songs or from various movies all smashed together. And you can think of all of them, but then they do the same thing for like best actor and they have previous actor nominees with their greatest quotes they've ever done. And then they have the same thing going in cinematography and there's like shots from Prince of, you know, Arabia and all that cool or Lawrence of Arabia and all these great cinematography things. All and it's it comes back to the same thing. You're going to cut the part that has the strongest connection to movie watchers. Like here's a slew of clips of movies I've seen. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah, yeah. And then you see, oh, oh, yeah. Look, there's Jack Nicholson saying you can't handle the truth. Oh, cool. But then there's actual <laughs> soundtracks and that's you're not going to you're just you can get lost in it. Well, yeah. I think the unfortunate thing is that scores are underrated. People don't people underestimate the power of them. They don't even maybe they don't even think about it. I think they don't think about it. They like they're like, oh, yeah, I know no. this song, but they don't realize how powerful that song is or how much it sticks with them, because not every score is going to be Star Wars. It's going to be Indiana Jones, but not every right. score people don't listen necessarily to soundtracks. Like, that's true. You can just go find soundtracks on Spotify or mm -hmm. Apple Music or YouTube or wherever you listen to music, and that's not going to be in people... Like, I have a soundtracks playlist because I'm that kind of movie nerd. Same with me. <laughs> I was the kid a that lot grew of people up and don't. didn't buy, like, popular artists. I, like, I bought soundtracks as, like, a 12-year-old. Like, that was me. <laughs> nope, yeah, I was listening to some Florida... Some 41. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not my thing. No, I love to find my favorite... <laughs> pieces of music from a, mo a movie and I don't find them in every movie but like Lord of the Rings like I'll have like certain songs where it comes they come on and I'm like I love this song <laughs> and I have it so I can listen to it because right. it just well here a good feeling here here's something there do you think that this is gonna start getting lost with newer generations like do you think that more movies are just gonna try and stick with more of a pop type of thing and no, like, I don't think so. like we I think the more worry is say it doesn't connect with fans, but maybe it doesn't incentivize as many people to go and become composers of musical mm. scores. 
That right. that's the the scary part. It's not what you're necessarily a fan of, but if it's not even you know televised and they kind of throw it, you know, it's like this is a very specialty niche skill, and it not as many people may go into it or perform it. Yeah, but I don't think it's gonna be lost yeah. in this generation because you have Hans Zimmer that like headlined uh what was it Bonnaroo or whatever it was a couple years ago. Like he was the biggest draw. He was the headliner on the main stage. Hans Zimmer, <laughs> you know. Wasn't like some rapper or pop artist or anything like that. So I don't I don't think so. And I think um, with the new movie, The Batman, coming out, like people are really excited for it, not just for the director and the actors, but also because Michael G. I can't know, no, don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, Giacchino <laughs> is doing the score for that <laughs> about Italian names, um, and people are just excited for it because it's really well done. It's been getting millions of views online. So I don't think that soundtracks are necessarily you know being lost like the traditional soundtrack that you're thinking of he's the pixar so. composer yeah he's great i just can't pronounce his like, last why name do so I don't ask me to <laughs> so he did the song very from popular. up yeah he did the song from up up song is pretty iconic they play oh, that he's in, one of the best he's one of the best Disneyland, in the business they, that song plays on loop with their other like main street songs. he also did the, the war for the planet of the apes i mean his music is fantastic so I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be a dead art. That's why I think it's it's silly for the Academy to negate that from their broadcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, but the Academy, the Oscars, all that stuff, award shows isn't it's not people don't care. Those anymore. one. I mean, those are definitely losing traction traction because like, again, they're all a money thing. This isn't necessarily about right. all the money that goes into it. And they like if you were hosting an award show, wouldn't you want we don't talk about Bruno to be performed by the voice actors live on stage. Like, oh, but Disney didn't put it up for nomination. Well, should the studio put it up or should people watch the films and be like, hey, I want to nominate this. I'm part of the Academy that judges these things. Maybe I should nominate stuff myself. Not speaking from my job's personal perspective, but companies give money to have their things put featured, but there's still another team that features and goes through everything just that's their job. That, I mean, that's the problem a lot of people have with the, things like the Academy and the Grammys is the people that decide that these things are going to be nominated and what things win. They're not relevant. They don't have they don't have a pulse on pop culture or what's popular or anything, which is why younger people especially don't care. They're not going to watch it. They're like, why do I care what these people think? I'm going to watch right. what I want to watch. I'm going to enjoy what I'm right. going to enjoy. Like those awards don't matter to me anymore because the people deciding wh- wh- who gets those awards are irrelevant. Well, well I agree, for I the think... most part, you can pay for your win. Yeah, I mean, and people have <laughs> a lot of times. A lot of times, they just pay for their win, anyways. So it could be a movie that nobody cared about, but for some reason, it loads up all the awards. What was that movie? <laughs> Crash? Didn't that movie Crash win like a oh my ton God, of yeah. awards? But <laughs> nobody would ever rewatch that movie because it was like. No, it's Why would anybody want to? I hated it the first time. Why would I want to watch it again? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Sorry, Prog, you were going to say something. I lost my track. I think it has something to do with the fact that, you know, the Oscars, they should know. Like, they're trying for ratings, and I don't think they need to. Like, that's not, like, don't try for ratings because you're not going to get them. People don't care mm-hmm. about these films. Like, go, like, make it smaller, but keep everything. Like, keep all the, the awards, mm-hmm. air them all. And don't worry about the the like how many viewers you're gonna get. You know, just make a decent broadcast. Keep it short. <laughs> you're not sports, so they need to come right. to terms with that. Award shows died like 
probably the turn of the century. If not before then, like, you know, make it a two hour event, air everything and you're done with it, you know, and then you can have like real, instead of people spending all this money to make their picture win, you can actually have something of quality win. And then it'll be, it'll matter more to like those people, to people in the industry, rather than, you know, Joe Schmo on his couch, who would rather watch, you know, some remake of whatever film that came out this year that had pop songs in it. It's funny too, because award shows are really like, I feel like in, in culture, especially nerd culture, you're like, well, this film is better because it won this many awards. It won awards for this and it won awards for this. But like right. normal people don't care. <laughs> they, they just don't, don't care. Right. Did you see the cinematography? <laughs> I mean, seriously, <laughs> it won best cinematography. This movie is far superior. Yeah, I watched this yeah. stupid movie on Netflix with The Rock and Ryan Reynolds, and it was crap. Yeah, but it was I hilarious. <laughs> You're like, what's cinematography? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what, what is this? Throwing Academy Awards at people in a discussion or an argument is like the most pretentious thing you can do. Oh, yeah. No one's going to care. Oh, Academy Award winning. Who, who and what? So in this? What? Academy I like that we've had sound mixing. We've had so many podcasts where we're like, oh man, the cinematography in that, in that scene was so good. And here we are going... Man, F them for saying cinematography, <laughs> man. How pretentious are oh, you? Oh, I know I'm pretentious. I don't care. <laughs> I didn't say we're not pretentious, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, on the point no, you made earlier, stuff. Alex, about like scores kind of becoming non-existent and getting replaced with pop songs, I've noticed a trend in movies where if you watch anything that's like high fantasy or sci-fi or things that are supposed to be otherworldly or magical, they need scores because they can't rely oh, on popular music. So as long as those stories are being created and uh, being told, they're always going to need scores because you can't, they help convey these really rich worlds to an audience and in a I, very short amount of time. I totally agree with that. I think what it, one thing that worries me is like we, we can go out and either download or buy a CD. Like if I wanted to to get the score back to the future, it's super easy to come by. But mm-hmm. I mean, our score is going to be readily available for for people who actually care. And how many people are actually going to care in the future? Now, and, and this could come from the Oscars taking away the this this award. And broadcasting it so people see how important music is. Because I don't think a lot of people actually think about the music until I don't I don't know until thirty no. years later, and they're like, "Oh my god, that's the Jurassic Park song." Well, it's just you're also spot on with we're on that edge of these old directors who are coming out and saying that Marvel movies are not cinema. It's not true cinema, you know, because they're the popular thing. Since they're the popular thing that drives money, they have the target of what's defining everything else that's being made. Studios are going right. to put money to chase on what's popular. DC. And so if Marvel movies aren't focusing on soundtracks themselves, it also goes into the whole idea of people like if what's popular doesn't care about soundtrack, you know, the new stupid movie on Netflix doesn't really care about soundtrack. The Marvel movies don't care about soundtrack. If the most popular things are losing soundtrack, does then soundtrack fall by the wayside? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or like thoughtful. <laughs> is, I'm good at experience. asking questions. I'm not good at answering questions. Well, 
Sometimes you just have to ponder a question, even if you don't have the answer to it. I definitely don't have the answers. <laughs> I mean, only time, like, what comforts me is knowing, like, classical music, composers, they've existed for a very long time. Like, as long as there's been music, there's been people composing music. And, like, I think when we're talking about John Williams and how talented he is, and it's like, well, he's one of the greatest composers. You look at people like Mozart, like Bach, um, like Beethoven. Like, those are songs. People still listen to that music now. They still listen to it. Like, how long ago were those songs written? It's also interesting just in the idea that if you're a classical music composer, do you know many who are just doing and creating brand new just tracks? Have movies now become the new way for composers to kind of compose? Because you're given... Because a lot of, like, Beethoven and Mozart stuff, it's connected to plays and performances. A lot of people don't know or care, but a lot of like classical music is based on plays. Now it's just, we have the visual movie mm-hmm. component to it. instead. Well, yeah, I, think I mean, right. that's what's happening. I, I feel like they're trying to keep, well, I, first off, I think you can still become a classical musician and write your own music. Like there are orchestras all over the world where they Mozart perform. The jungle. Watch it. It's fun. <laughs> uh, they perform in places. And I, what I was thinking of is like the Hollywood bowl where you can go and watch a movie, you know, and they will orchestrate the score live in front of yeah. you. And that's yeah. kind of how they keep this kind of music relevant and want like people will keep coming back for it. And also, if you've that's, never done that, it's phenomenal. <laughs> it is amazing. They, a few years back during San Diego Comic-Con, they had um, they had an orchestra do Back to the Future. And I missed it. And I hate that I missed it because I feel like that would have been just incredible to see. I'm still beating myself up about missing that, but you it'll know what? It'll back. most likely it'll come, back. come back. It'll come back. <laughs> I know it will. Are you at oh, a I time? I would love for them to do that with Star Wars. That would be so cool. They did a John Williams <laughs> tribute at the Hollywood Bowl. I would totally go to something like that. Yeah. See, and it's just I like... I would go to that. Yeah, exactly. So, and the thing is, is like, as we get older, like Alex, you have a daughter, you're going to share these movies and these songs with her, and they're going to become a part of her childhood and her identity growing up. So as long as people are, of course, bringing it like you're passing on what's nostalgic to you to your children, it will become nostalgic for them. And that will keep these things important. It's the same thing that's kept things like Beethoven and Shakespeare relevant hundreds of years later. Yeah, I can see that. But I can also see like some of the other movies that come out, too, that are geared for her. And it's like trolls trolls take over the world and and it's justin timberlake music and stuff like that and she's gonna be like i don't want to watch your stupid time travel movie dad where they go back (laughs) to the 50s i don't even know what the 1900s are why do i care about this yeah because you know what i mean as a kid you didn't watch any horrible like really cheesy movies at all i mean i did well, I know, of course I did, but it wasn't because my parents made me. I know, but my the, parents weren't trying to push their nostalgia on me. Yeah. Well, I, that's I, I what I would feel like I'm pushing. doing. I feel it is sharing. It's like, like this sharing, is on TV. You can watch it or not. <laughs> oh, no. Or like, like growing up. <laughs> <You're> not, <laughs> you don't watch the, these classics with commercials. No, sir. 
Like, well, like growing up, like my dad really liked Godzilla and he really liked James Bond. And so I would watch Godzilla and James Bond with him. I mean, I was like a seven-year-old girl. It wasn't really in my wheelhouse, but it was something that we did together. And so I loved it. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, I get that. So, but I also watched like these movies that like those things I, because I shared them with him became a part of like who I am and my memories of that time in my life. I'm sure I watched horrible movies that I, if I saw like the image, I'd be like, I remember that. I watched that when I was younger, but that's all it was. Some things just don't stick in you. Like trolls, probably not something you carry with you the rest of your life. Maybe it is for some people. I don't know. (laughs) Not here to judge. Right. (laughs) Yeah. No judging on that. I also, I, I imagine, I, I think back to like our childhood, mm-hmm. we grew up with movies like Beauty and the Beast, which was major like winner of awards all left and right. Then you've got Aladdin, uh, Lion King. We've, we grew up with those type of movies. Kids nowadays are growing up with trolls and, and crazy. We had plenty I, of those I just feel I, back then. We had terrible I don't know. Maybe I just didn't watch it. Moana. Well, I watched garbage. That's true. Okay. Okay. Never mind. Like, Come on. It's Never just mind. The, yeah. It's Get like this it, part out. <laughs> Disney's not the comp to make right now. If yeah. you want to make this comp in like the mid 2000s, Disney, that works. Mm-hmm. But Disney has come back on itself and it's refound what makes it magical, at least when it comes to animated cinema. No, but this isn't a Disney podcast. No, the- <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Are you sure? The amount of times we bring up Disney in all of our episodes, <laughs> way too much. Wearing a Mickey Mouse shirt. Well, I do. That's for the end. But I know. Anyway, I know you guys didn't watch the Olympics, but figure skating is a big part of the Olympics, and every figure skating routine is with some kind of classical music, and the ones that are just like you know traditional, like oh, this is you know the Nutcracker Suite or something that i that i can take it or leave it but then there's some that where they skate to movie soundtracks and as soon as they did the gladiator song i'm like it's the gladiator song like gladiator yeah. is not it, it won all the kinds of awards it's not my favorite film but i've seen it and that soundtrack is absolutely amazing that one can give me chills and just watching the figure skater perform to it i was more interested in the routine than somebody who's just doing some lifeless you know, ballad from 1700s. Right. <laughs> like the Nutcracker. <laughs> I love the Nutcracker suite. That's all I could think of. <laughs> there was a lot of Russian composer based <laughs> There was skating. a lot of Russian composer based skating. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Again, yeah. it's the but, music that draws you in. Yeah. It makes you yeah. But if the music it. draws me in, I'm going to be more attentive and just already, even though it, they're not, you know, doing the gladiator. I would watch Gladiator and Ice, but <laughs> Gladiator and Ice, blood everywhere. It's such a nice stark contrast of the red on the ice. <laughs> they need like ribbons. <laughs> they get hockey players out there to, <laughs> to act everything. I'd watch it. Yeah, they're knocking teeth out. Movie on ice. <laughs> we, we've also focused a lot on movies. There's also TV shows, mm-hmm. and TV shows maybe not go full in on the scores. But they often have an iconic intro theme. And the one that instantly comes to mind for me is Game of Thrones. Where I don't remember any particular song or music from Game of Thrones or any particular scenes. But I do know the intro with all the (laughs) clogs unfolding Winterfell and everything. And then that 
That soundtrack is super iconic. And no matter how much you hate the show now, you'll that always song love is that still song. outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't hate the show. I just hated the last two seasons. Right, that's the, yeah, I don't. I agree about the soundtrack. The soundtrack is banger. That's a great one. Um, oh yeah, there's plenty of plenty of TV shows that have great soundtracks and great opening scenes and such. So good point. Oh, there. absolutely. Like, shout out because you know it's a bingo square. But shout out to Dark for having a phenomenal <laughs> soundtrack. We're about to start watching that, so Woo! good to know. Oh my god, so good. No, because it really does tie into the whole theme of like time and everything, and it's really dark and it really, really good. It's really well edited. It's like the heartbeat stuff it's really going dark. on. Well, in a lighter tone, you can also think of something like The Simpsons. Like The Simpsons has an iconic opening song. You mentioned Stranger Things. Stranger Things is not particularly oh, good or memorable, but the opening song of Stranger Things nails the idea the of banger. being 80s and creepy. <laughs> it's a banger, man. It's very uh, John Carpenter. I love it. I turned that I dial it's that actually, up. Yeah, right once you brought up uh, TV shows, my brain just went nuts thinking of songs. And like, I mean, Knight Rider. I mean, the... I, I don't know. Like TV I can soundtrack. I, I don't think I've ever tougher. seen. Yeah, you I don't so think I've ever seen an episode of that. Yeah. Oh, Twilight Zone. Also good. Like think of the Power Rangers Twilight song. Sure. Power Rangers is dumb. <laughs> it's one of the worst things ever made. But that song <laughs> is catchy. No, 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 no. You can literally like type it in on your phone. People have it as their text tone, like. <laughs> just yeah, but I think a lot of those people think that it's Kim Possible. They sound very similar. Just to be able to come up with like a 30 second thing. Like, you know, John Williams has a two hour movie and to make like six, seven minute tracks at once. You got 30 seconds. We got an intro song. We're going to show like various clips. Describe of the, the show. whole show. <laughs> Let's go. Yes. <laughs> a perfect, perfect example. Cheers. You know what you're getting into when you hear that song. Yep, a bunch of drunken friends hanging out together. Oh. I mean, WandaVision you did a really good job. You just love it. Two of being iconic for each time period. It showed what the iconic music was for each decade for TV shows, and they mm. had to come up with a whole thing for each episode. That was one of the funnest parts. But See? Yeah, without a doubt. Yep. Now, do you guys have... I know that we've all kind of jumped around and said kind of what our favorites, uh, composers, and is there one just absolute favorite song that you'll always listen to and you'll always get excited about every time you hear it or or soundtrack or whatever from any movie i have one well, i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait on mine until someone else goes. okay i was like well i already said mine because i would love to i would love to pick a lord of the Rings soundtrack but i'm a little picky choosy about which songs i like and which, some songs i'm like mm. <laughs> but some songs are like so, but I said mine already, and it's definitely the fourth song. Like it is, yeah, and always will one. be the fourth song. Like I, we, what, I built a lightsaber on my birthday. When you lift them up at the end, they play that song, and I started crying. <laughs> wow! And it just, it just oh, yeah. gets to me every time. Too. That's mine. I think we know what Trevor says. Yeah. Oh yeah. you, Alex. Well, I mean, I I feel like I've got a bunch. I mean, I could easily just go with Back to the Future and just go with that, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with Pride and Prejudice soundtrack. 
Which there is something. Which one? The uh, the one with um, is it Keira Keira Knight? It wasn't Keira Knightley? Knightley in that the one. The 2005 yeah. version. Sorry, Pride yes. and Prejudice is my favorite movie. So <laughs> it's one of my top favorite movies too, and a lot of it has to do with the music. I absolutely love that music yes. in that movie. Yeah. It's a gentle so. Piano. <laughs> Oh, the gentle piano. Dude, I feel like on a rainy day, I can sit out on my back porch with like a fire in our, in our fire pit and just chill with that music. Oh, stop. You're making me want to watch it. <laughs> Seriously, I sometimes I get that feel. If it's cold and rainy, I'm like, mm-hmm. put on Pride and Prejudice. This is what we're doing. Nice. It's just so good. good. It's so good. I was not expecting Okay, that. so well, tell us about rains, Mac and me. So. I'm going to make you watch it one day. <laughs> Next time it rains, stop. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no. So mine's not gonna be Mac. I mean, it was not. I was even gonna choose Fly the Navigator um, because I do like that soundtrack a lot. But I'm gonna go with one that I don't think that you guys were gonna think about, and that was Driving Miss Daisy. Is one of my favorites growing up. Bought the soundtrack. I think it's fantastic. It's whimsical. It's just it's one that just pops into my head all the time. So. I'm gonna throw that out there as like a little curveball. I didn't want to be too on the nose. I was about to say or something, but let's look up that little And I do also want to give a shout out to quite possibly the best piece of music ever written, which is the first time music was ever attached to an animated film, the 1928 classic Steamboat Willie. Because can you tell me of those whistling notes? It's at the start of every Disney movie now. Something more iconic than just those like three whistling notes. Sure, I have no idea what the three notes are. I I can't. I can't think of it off the top of my head. I know what it sounds like, and it sounds like a. Oh wow! Never heard of it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you definitely heard it. Come on, I'm telling you, I've not heard. I'm sorry. Um, Well, Prague doesn't watch animated movies, so it makes sense. That's true. So, could be that, but that's a good one. It's cute. I liked it. It's a cute whistle. And on dress. Well, up, Oscars, <laughs> Oscars change change your ways. Bring yeah. music or back. don't just just stop broadcasting anything, and then you just yeah. save everybody. Stop giving out awards. You can give out your <laughs> award. Just post a tweet. Best picture tweet. <laughs> Best actor <laughs> tweet. <laughs> no, yeah, hold on. No, that. that's how you know how trendy you are. Yeah. That that's how that's how old we are. We're like, yeah, tweet it out when really it should be. No, you're gonna have to give the award as the TikTok dance. (laughs) Best picture. But yeah, exactly. That's the world we live in. Is everything? If you're not doing a TikTok dance, you're not doing anything at all. Well, next year there'll be anything at all. (laughs) Televised on TikTok next year. So yeah. Or I know you guys already <laughs> did the shout out for television and Trevor said you guys don't want to talk about video games, but I do want to give a, a small shout out to video games and the amazing scores that they also have. Like Zelda. Oh my god, too, dude. Into it, but. I, there's, there's one game that I have to mention that I, I bought it because the soundtrack alone, Castlevania on the original NES. Mm, the soundtrack to that is so good. I literally would just put it on and just let the music play. Same with same with Zelda, Zelda Two, mm, or yeah. the, the original Zelda, the original NES. Yeah, not Zelda Two, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, all Zeldas have that same. Nah, nah, true, nah, yeah. nah, nah, that whole yeah. 
Except for Ocarina That's the fun of Time. Thing it does not have the main thing for some reason. Hmm? Yes. Man. I love Zelda. Mm. That uh, video game. I didn't even think about bringing up video games. It's just wow. a whole other topic. Yeah, it it's would really be. That'd be you that's like throw oh, it in. Oh, really, the at way. the end, <laughs> we're going to tease a future <laughs> podcast where we talk about music and video games and how impactful it is. Even the sound alerts you get in video games. My goodness. Yeah. Just, just Anyways. healing, dying, anything, finding yep. treasure. Na 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 na. Whoa! <laughs> Anyways, we should wrap that up for the future. I just want to yes. tease it. <laughs> awesome. So, to everyone listening, you've made it this far. Alex forgot to mention our socials, so I'm introducing that chance for him now. Oh, that's my turn. So check us out over on crossthestreamsmedia.com. Uh, you'll go, you're going to find all of our episodes there. You're going to find links to all of our social medias. If you don't want to go through there, you can find us on all of our social medias at Secondary Heroes. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. That's the whole spiel. Uh, check us out over on YouTube. That way you can see us when we're chatting. And sometimes we like to add movie clips and whatnot. And with our trailer review, trailer reviews or trailer reactions, we actually play the trailer as well. So you can watch it with us. Not live or anything like that. Pretend it's live. Who cares? <laughs> it's, it's always fun. But yeah, we check us out <laughs> at Secondary Heroes or at CrossTheStreamsMedia.com. And one more thing on CrossTheStreamsMedia.com. Send us a voicemail. If you have a soundtrack that you want to tell us about that really meant the world to you, send us a voicemail. We'll play it on the next episode or we'll play it on one of our social media channels and you'll be featured. Oh, yeah. And by the way, all of this is free for you and it's priceless to us. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Awesome. So if you made it this far, guess what? The Secondary Heroes are about to celebrate our three-year anniversary. So only super fans probably heard me say that. What's it going to entail? I don't know. What are we going to talk about next week? I don't know. But until then, we hope you enjoyed. We'll talk to you next time. Always a pleasure, everyone. Adios, y'all.